When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 81 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me via Zoom, Charles Hedlund. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. What's going on on your end? Doing good, man. Just working. It's been nice out. It was like 83 degrees today. A little warm. Yeah, we had a baseball game today. It was really nice out. It's just beautiful. It's nice to see the sun. It's raining right now, but, I mean, we need some rain, too, so. Yeah, definitely. I'm not upset about it. No, <laughs> no. It's been pretty dry, man. The rivers are down. Like I've been, I've been kind of wondering what's going to happen here if we don't get any anything soon. But yeah, yeah man, first day of trout just hit. Man, did you get out at all? I did not. I did not. I wanted to, but I just tried to get some stuff done around the house, trying to get the honeydew list done before turkey season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I didn't get out either. I was in uh, Columbus playing a softball tournament. It was fun. Yeah, I hit a home run. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hit home runs, so that was pretty, uh, pretty fun. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was awesome, a good time. Have not been on the water yet. Have not gotten the the line wet yet. No, I'm right there with you, man. I'd like to get out. Hopefully, maybe this weekend I'll be able to get out and cast a couple. We'll see. See what the yeah, rain I don't know does. If I'll get out or not. We'll see. yeah, maybe this weekend. I, I I know some kids are going uh Saturday. Some of my baseball kids they wanted me to go with them before our game. We have a game at noon, so maybe maybe I'll do that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, there you I'm go, just, man. Get out. Yeah, I'm trying to get ready for this turkey hunt that's coming up next week and trying to get everything organized. Man, it's a big pain in the butt. So, Yep, yep. You got everything you need? Yeah, yeah. Just got to get to the store now and get some of the basics. You know, we got to get our food down and see what we're going to be cooking each night and kind of that stuff. You know, uh, all my stuff, I went in the garage the other day and pulled all my actual hunting stuff and threw it in a pile. There you go. So it's all ready to go. Just got to grab my gun and 
feel the coolers and head off. I, I don't know if uh, what I'm going to do if I get one or not. And if I get one, I don't know if I'm going to try to do the full body mount or just do like a tail fan mount. My thing is, and I this is different for everybody, I have no idea where I would put a full body mount in my house. Yeah, I mean, I'll find room for it. I have a coyote <laughs> in my house now. <laughs> I'll just replace him with a good turkey mount because my buddy Jen's, you know, he does turkey too. But yeah. How about it? Oh, you're good. Yeah, he, he does turkey too. I, I just am trying to figure out what, you know, his price is and that because it's dependent too. Yeah. But I've always said I wanted to get a full mount of every subspecies that I kill, you know, for the at least the main four subspecies, right? So like the Merriams, the Rio Grands, the, the Osceola, and the Eastern. There I think go, that'd man. be cool. Do it too, brother. Yeah. I we'll like see. it. Throw that bad boy in a cooler, find yourself some dry ice or something like that. That's pretty much it. I just need to keep it on ice and, and keep it sealed in a bag so it's dry. Yeah. He sent me over some turkey care <laughs> notes. I never <laughs> never knew there was a proper way to store your bird so it, it looks good because you mess up them feathers, you're done, Yeah, man. you're toast, man. Ooh. That is, so that's uh, exciting. That's one you got to think about there, buddy. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a hit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's going to be that's gonna be more than my new new canoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. But that's it, man. Turkey season's fast, fast approaching. We're gonna have bass season here before we know it. Better believe it, it's man. I'm excited for both of them. Turkeys, uh, turkeys definitely on my mind though. People have been seeing them. They've been gobbling. I mean, you go all over Instagram. People are laying birds down everywhere. So, you know, I'm excited, man. Yeah, talk about the luck of the podcast. Every single person we've had on has a bird on the ground at this point. This, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You yeah, know what man. I mean? That's pretty cool. I, I think we've picked some pretty good guests that considering the fact that I think all, but maybe one of them even has like multiple birds down. Yeah, so, <laughs> and then our, our guest here tonight, you know, just laid the smack chase. down, man. Yep. He just laid the smack down on an Osceola bird down in Florida. His yes, home sir. state. Old, his home ground. Old Chase Prince. Yeah, man, he smacked that like what? The first time out after doing the podcast, he finally got on a bird. So that's what I'm talking about, man. Heck yeah. I was fired up. I was so pumped when I saw that, man. Chase is a good dude. We've been trying to get him on for a while now. Yeah, we've been talking to him for so long. We fished against him in tournaments, just, you know, talking to him on Instagram, been on their podcast, talked to them, you know, yep. trying to get that dude. He's just, he's a slayer all around. You know, he keeps, yep. <laughs> he keeps Walt in line too, and I love it. <laughs> I was able to meet him in person down in Florida um, a little while back when we went down to visit Dina's brother. We ended up meeting up. Yeah, man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm gonna have to get down at some point. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Good, good time. We di we didn't get to see each other for very long, but we took a nice little uh little tourist walk around. He was showing me some stuff, and it was pretty cool. He's a cool dude. Yeah. I owe him a beer. I owe him a beer. <laughs> hey, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that, man. Now you, you just gotta meet up with him again. Maybe we'll go fishing with him. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. Maybe, maybe we'll go uh, turkey hunting. I was gonna say maybe next year we'll go do some turkey hunting down there and Ooh. little uh you know, <laughs> little uh <laughs> maybe something in the works there. We'll see. We'll I like see. it. Hopefully it works out. But I like you know, it. Next year's gonna be exciting. This year we gotta worry about our own turkeys and uh maybe do some West Virginia hunting, PA, Oklahoma. It'll be a good time, man. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Heck yeah. Before we get to our episode, though, um, we're speaking about all these products and everything and everything we're doing. You know, we better we better talk about what's going to make that possible for us, right? Absolutely, man. 
veteran innovative yeah. products. You know, Matt Fudere, Cindy, both incredible people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible people and incredible product. I mean, dude, how nasty though, for real, like those combat veterans, dude, have you ever like opened a package of broadheads and just immediately thought, wow, these are going to absolutely destroy animals. Listen, when, when I first got just the veteran in my hand, I loved that broadhead, man. I didn't think you could make that broadhead any better. You know, everything about it, even just down to the shock collar that held that freaking thing together. I was like, this thing is awesome. I killed some deer with it, man. And then the combat veteran came out, and I got that in my hands, and I was like, dude, you just did the impossible. You made it better. Better. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely incredible, man. Yeah. They're doing really good work. He never stops, man. He's He's got so many things. I got to talk to him a couple times in the past couple weeks. He has so many things coming. I mean, VIP is blowing up. You, can, you see him more and more in the marketing. They're going to be a mainstream Big, a lot bigger than a mom and pop here in no time. You know, Absolutely. That's, that's kind of the core of it, though. You have Matt and Cindy that they've been pretty much doing this thing for the most part out of their own home and, you know, putting their whole life and everything into it, sweat and tears, you know, and, and meanwhile, battling, uh, <laughs> battling cancer and everything that he's going through. I just can't believe the amount of thought that goes into this stuff and the effort that goes into it. He's still doing it every day. Guy's brain never shuts off, man. It's just working, trying to innovate over and over and over again, man. He just keeps doing it. I love it. Starting out, you know, back in the day, gobbler guillotines. That is Matt Futere right there, man. Yeah. And wait till 2022. There are new broadheads coming and they're supposedly even meaner and better than the combat veteran. I will be the judge of that one because <laughs> I don't know if you can get any better, but he tells me every time that it is. So that's oh, awesome. That is exciting, man. I can't wait for that. Yep. So we got VIP, uh, Scree gear. Scree gear is another big one, man. Scree gear, um, man. The new solos be, pattern. Yes, sir. I'll be wearing nothing but Scree probably on my trip. Well, not probably definitely on my trip to Oklahoma. So I'll be packing, man. That's just layering system. It's supposed to be anywhere from thirties to sixties. And I don't need to pack a ton of stuff. I have my base layers, two different base layers, my midweight, heavyweight. I got the whole layering system down. That's all I need to bring. It all packs nicely. So, you know, room's going to be of the essence on this little minivan and five people. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I can't take, you know, I can't take clothes to, to hunt and from 30 to 60. Normally it would, you know, be three bags of clothing to do something like that with scree, man. That's. That's one bag, you know? Yeah. Half man. a bag. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh-huh. you know, that layering system coming down to that, that's what's going to save you. Wick that moisture, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, it's going to keep you warm. Heck right yeah. down to it, man. I love it. I hang that stuff up at the end of the night. I don't need to wash it. I don't need to worry about it. It ain't going to stink. You know, by the end of the trip, I'm going to be going home just as clean and good to go as I was day one. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Scree gear, use code WDP20, all caps. Get yourself get 20% off your first order. Get you some money off. Get you, you some money off. Yeah, man. Yeah. Another one, uh, ANF Custom Calls. Better get your calls in, boys and girls. Our code with them is just WDP. Get your free shipping. Let's not forget, too, to mention, ANF Custom Calls is donating $1 of every call that they sell, the proceeds, directly to the Allegheny National Forest. That's a beautiful thing, man. But, 
Talk about getting a great custom turkey call and investing in the conservation of our forest, our national forest here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, man. That's exciting. Don't get any better than that, right? Yeah. Heck yeah. And with fishing season coming up, man, what better than trying to get yourself into a new canoe? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got to get a new canoe. Come on, man. It, they they are so nice. And we, we're getting it mostly because hunting and fishing. Yeah. I wish I had it this turkey season because I'd be... I'd be hitting some spies. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I don't know. That's yet to be told. But if I get it by turkey season, you bet you I'll be after them hard. I'm right there with you, brother. For sure. Yeah, man. Cruising the rivers looking for birds. Heck yeah. It's going to be beautiful. All right, brother. I think that's it, huh? Enough of us freaking rambling, man. Let's get into this episode (laughs) with Chase Prince. Yeah, we got to get Chase on. All right, boys and girls, we are back with another episode. We have the beloved Prince of the South, the King of the North, fill-in when it's bass season. But when it's hunting season, he is the Prince of the South. We have Chase Prince himself in the flesh. The only reason we remain friends with Walter Lee and Chasing Tells is because of you, Chase. (laughs) What's going on, man? (laughs) Oh, man, I am doing good. We are... Our turkey season just started down here. I know you guys are still about a month out from turkey season. We're actually about 10 days in now, the turkey season. I haven't been able to get out that much. A lot of working a lot of overtime. I'm still, I'm trying to finish up my bachelor's degree actually, and I'm going to finish that up uh, this semester. So taking a bunch of classes and the kids, I've got a couple of kids. They just had spring break. Of course, the first week of turkey season. So we were down at the beach for a few days. But I, from what I've been told, I haven't been missing much, especially in my area. Uh, I've went twice. Uh, I called in like a group of four jakes one day. The gobbler was just hand up. Went another day on some public land and finally struck a bird about midday. And he was hit up too. I mean, he, he gobbled a few times and it was, you just knew kind of that um, checking the temperature type thing that he, he wasn't coming yeah. to anything yeah. that we were throwing at him, uh, at least then. And we had to eventually just get up and head home but yeah man i am doing great doing great well while we're on it why don't you go ahead and continue to introduce yourself a little bit about your your background who you are where you're from all that good stuff yeah sure i am the co-host of the chasing tales outdoor podcast i think everybody knows who walter lee is Uh, (laughs) i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm kind of the guy in the background I didn't start with Walter. I actually came on after he was doing the show for maybe about a year, year and a half. Uh, we're going on about two and a half years now of me helping co-host the podcast. Walter's what, what I always kind of tell Walter is kind of like a broadcast booth. He's kind of like the, the analyst that's there as the, maybe the, the guy that is on there to say all the fancy words and do the play uh, by play, do the play by play. And then I'm kind of the, uh, the, the guy who's the quarterback or player, uh, <laughs> uh, beside him, like explaining what's actually going on on the field. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Uh, I think he does yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But besides that, I, I'm a firefighter here in Florida. Uh, I live in North Central Florida. Uh, I've been firefighting for almost uh, 17 years now. And that job allows me to get out and hunt of probably a lot more than most of the population with a normal uh, nine to five job. I'm married, got a couple of kids. They're getting a little bit older and I'm actually looking forward to getting them out 
and uh, hunting here as, as soon as I can. My son, he's just not, he's just not quite big enough to kind of shoulder a 410 yet. Whenever he can do that, it's, it's going to be game on and I'll be, I'll be actually be looking forward to uh, taking him out a lot, uh, getting him that experience. But yeah, that, that's pretty much it, man. I'm just a, just a fireman that, uh, fireman by day, podcast host by night. Deer slayer <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it it damn near seems like all the time with you guys. <laughs> it Boy, does, your man. Your seasons are nine months long. <laughs> yes, yes, we do have long seasons in Florida, for sure. And you guys make us just so jealous up here. Just the beginning of this intro when you talk about we have another month to wait until we can chase turkey, and you're already on, you know, 10 days in. Man, I don't. I was thinking it today, and I almost texted a couple guys like, I don't know how much longer I can go without hunting turkey. Like it's it's really hurting at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta come south, man. Come down to Florida. We'll get you. Up. We'll get you on some birds. I mean, our season ends before y'all's even start. It's crazy <laughs> to me. Unreal, man. And South Florida actually started because we have two zones in Florida. Yeah. And there's a south south zone and a northern zone. And the southern zone actually started a couple of weeks before our season started. I think maybe like the first, around the first of March, they were up and rolling down there. And the hunt public was just down there. I mean, they just released uh, several videos. They were down in South Florida. Um, a lot of people like to go down there and kick their season off from a bunch of other states because uh, it just starts so soon. And if you start there, if you can work your way up north, heck, I mean, your turkey season could be almost three months long, I believe. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, we were talking to Bon Stanley. He was down there. He killed a bird. And, you know, the one thing that turns me off about South Florida is the fact that, like, everything wants to hurt you. I don't like snakes. I don't <laughs> like spiders. I don't like any of that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are bad. We got mosquitoes. I'm not worried about mosquitoes and ticks and oh. stuff. Just the spiders and oh. snakes. I'm not, I'm not Trust cool with them. Their mosquitoes are, are the size of our sparrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm more worried about the mosquitoes than I am. I mean, there's, I think there's like a, mutant strand down here or something because it doesn't matter what you do i mean you could be rocking the thermosel be sprayed down with all of the off that you want to and the jokers are still trying to tag it but yeah there's there's plenty of uh snake species down here you got to worry about uh if you're down in south florida i mean you got to worry about gators yeah i don't have to worry about that as much uh where i'm at but uh pan or what is it panthers Panthers, (laughs) i mean there's all kinds south florida is definitely uh like the jungle down there yeah, I think I said in that episode with the Bayside Legion that South Florida is the Africa of the United States. <laughs> Everything yeah. there wants to kill you 100%, and it, I never want to be there in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's still it's still worth a shot going down there. I've actually never even, I've never hunted the, the South Florida zone, because during deer season, it starts way sooner than yep. anywhere else. I mean, I'm talking August 1st. Oh, man. They start hunting hunting deer down there in, in my zone uh, in north central florida we get kicked off like a third week of september so they're hunting like a, a month almost two months before we are even up in north central florida down there but their rut is they're in pretty much in full rut in south florida day one when the, when the season kicks off down there on its first that is insane man absolutely Crazy. insane yeah. i couldn't imagine hunting deer in that heat period august 1st dude even around here it's too hot i can't even imagine florida Oh yeah, smuggy. I mean, there's times where even third week of September. I mean, I've been out in the evening time hunting like 95 degrees weather. Um, what do you do, hot, Chase? You just kill them, muggy. get down, and just start running after them. You shoot them, get down, and just run. 
generally. I mean, the goal is to shoot them and hope you hear them crash <laughs> and just get down and get to them as, as soon as possible. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes you still, you gotta, you gotta wait. I, I've never had a deer spoil on me though. That's good. That's I, I, I've given them time before, probably four or five hours, uh, went in and never had a deer spoil even in that type of heat. So I just try to get them gutted as soon as possible once I get to them and yeah. uh, get them processed pretty fast. Yeah. I would say probably if you hit them a little bit back, that's when you're going to get in some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely want to take your time, <laughs> make that ethical <laughs> shot on those deer because you don't, you definitely don't want to have to be trying to trail one and then it not be dead and it just keeps running and mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to get on it for hours. It's just, just no good. You know what amazed me about Florida and the area you're in is the size of the deer. I always thought, you know, you hear Florida deer, you think of like little tiny, 100, 150 pound deer. And you're telling us like the, the deer in your area are, get pretty big, you know, almost upwards of what, 100, 180 pounds, 160, 180 pounds, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've killed some early season pushing 200. Yeah. yeah. Um, 195 pounds. Killed quite a few 195 pounds. And then a bunch in like the, the 180 pound range. But a, as a whole, I mean, my area, it just seems that there's just a different genetic in my area. Even Walter's north of me and a lot of the deer up there, they weigh, they're in that like 120 to 150 pound range. Yeah. Uh, it is a big body deer. But where I'm at, usually, even if they're a lot of time, if it's a mature buck, even if they're rutted out, whatever, they're still in that 160 pound range, probably around there on, on a big mature buck. But. We just have, uh, my county is, uh, I think it's one of like the top five counties in the state for deer hunting as far as just body size and antler size. Yeah. We've got a bunch of, I think we, we may actually have the most like, cause we have like a, a top 10 typical, top 10 non-typical. And I think my county may have actually the most in the top 10 for each one of those, but they're not, it's not at the top top. It's, it's more like nine and 10 or. Or five in one of them or something, but yeah. got yeah. some got some good deer uh, where I'm at. So yeah, you're no uh, foreign. You're not foreign to killing those big deer either. Like, <laughs> you seem to you seem to really lay down some Florida giants, man. And that that one season, two two years ago, you Unreal. shot what, four four bucks, right? Yeah, Three. yeah, I shot four bucks. I had uh, there was probably a season about probably three years before that where I had a good run as well. In Florida, we just went, last year, we just went to a five-buck limit. Before that, it was two bucks a day, every day for the whole season. So whatever that boiled down to, because if, if you started in South Florida and ended up in Northeast Florida, you could probably yeah. get 400 deer. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, the, now we've got that five-buck rule, which which is good. We needed that. I actually wish it was less. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with it being three bucks and, yeah. and we have a we have a doe does are tagged too because before used to you could kill uh, during archery season if you wanted to take does you could actually kill two does a day for the whole archery season and then they had a doe week um and now they have a cap where the most does you can kill is two does in a season yeah so they're, they're, they're trying to do some stuff with the, the regulations because there were there were definitely some guys that took that to heart where they thought it was just their goal was to just wipe out as many deer possible and don't think that's good for the overall management <laughs> of, yeah. of the deer herd. I would not think so. <laughs> Dude, we're, like, we're like totally opposite. We're a one buck state. And if you hunt the right area, you can pretty much have unlimited does. 
I mean, it's right. typically if you hunt pretty much anywhere in the state, you got three three doe tags. But if you hunt the right areas, you can have unlimited. But it's I, I mean, can't at even some imagine point you limit out. You gotta kill like. You gotta kill like thirty thousand, but at some point you're gonna limit out. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> every yeah, every exactly. WMU has a limit up here. It's just that certain ones you can continue to buy them as many as you want over the counter. Yep, seven dollars a pop thing there, and uh, you kill as many as you want. Fill your freezer up. But I mean, I've I've gone into seasons with eight tags, you know, and. Uh, that's a lot for up here. I know that ain't that ain't nothing for Florida. Uh, but now that you guys are five deer, and that's five total deer, right? You can get three yeah, bucks five and total. Two yeah, right. What do you what do you think that's going to do long term for Florida? I mean, do you see the positive in it, or do you think they went a little too soft on the regulations? Although going from unlimited five is a pretty big jump. Yeah, that, that's a drastic jump. And they originally, like I said, you can either kill five bucks or you can kill the three bucks two does or four bucks one doe however yep. you want to break up the five but you just can't kill more than two does and originally they were going to go to three bucks two does that was going to be the rule in florida uh there is a big like dog hunting tradition down here yep. and they were like the loudest voices at the florida wildlife commission meetings and they were going nuts over over that rule so they uh, they actually kind of uh, been a little bit and went to you could do five bucks instead but I, I think it's going to be good last year was the first year that really tracking ha- was in effect because w- if you killed a deer you had to post it to an app so they were right. able to track pretty much every deer that was killed and one of the guys actually that uh, listens to our podcast he emailed the fwc down here in florida and he wanted the numbers because I kept trying to get, and I'm like, hey, you guys, this was an app. Y'all should have the numbers by now on how many does were harvested, how many bucks, I mean, deep down to the county stuff. So I was like, what are these numbers? And he found out for us. And I was actually shocked at the number. I thought it would have been way more that wow. would have gotten killed. Then I was actually, because Walter found out first, he's like, hey, guess how many deer were killed in the state of Florida last year? And I was at least probably two and a half times higher than what the actual number was. Oh wow! And yeah, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought it would have been more, uh, way more than uh, what actually got killed. So it was good to actually kind of see those numbers, and it'd be interesting to see what they were this past season to kind of get a trend on. Hey, this is how many deer people are killing. But Florida's it's kind of a weird state, man, because. There, there's like pockets of deer. So certain areas just have a great deer herd where others don't. And especially specifically in my area, there are just tons. There's tons of deer, but there's just tons and tons of does too. Yeah. I'm just talking about just tons of does. And for us, like two does, I mean, and then we're kind of limited to when we can take those does anyways now, uh, how they have to set up. I, I wish. It was kind of set up a little bit different, but I understand it's kind of hard to do for the whole state to be like, all right, this zone can kill this many does, this zone can kill that many does. And a lot of the, and a lot of the public land down here, you can't kill a doe. Like they won't even, they won't let you shoot a doe on, on, the, on a lot of the public down here, uh, which is odd to me. And you you go out and just see does for days <laughs> and they still won't let you shoot them. So. I wish they would kind of change up some of those uh, regulations. But I know they have like this strategic plan in place, and I think they're going to rock what they got now for 
it was, I think their plan was to rock it for about three years, evaluate it, see where everything was at, and then maybe make yeah. some more changes. Yeah, the good thing is now that you guys are actually tracking down there, you have the opportunity to see where the deer herd numbers are, where, you know, uh, who's taking what sex of each deer in what areas. And maybe one, maybe from that, you can actually get to where our state is, where it's county based almost or WMU based. But, you know, in Pennsylvania, like we were just saying, there's some areas you can get unlimited doe tax. Why? Because there's a giant population of doe there, just like you, you were saying in those areas. Yeah. You know, hopefully from them tracking and, you know, the biologists doing their jobs, they can see, hey, you know, this area has way overpopulation to doe. We need to pick up the numbers here. They're like, okay, so you can kill five doe here instead of two. You know what right. I mean? So that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would, that's the ultimate goal, hopefully, is they get just a, a management plan in place because, I mean, when people think about Florida, you don't think about big bucks whatsoever. Most people, sure. it's not a destination state except for turkey and fishing. I mean, Florida's known for its fishing, obviously. But for, for deer hunting, it's not necessarily a destination state for anybody, except people that want to come down and suffer, <laughs> for the most part. But you're, you're not really going to take any uh, trophies, uh, for the most part, if you're just coming down for uh, a, a few days. And a big buck, I mean, if you if you get in, Florida has a, a registry for trophy bucks, and the number for that is 100 inches. Okay. It is what's considered a, a trophy buck. In Florida, so anytime you get a buck around that that hundred inch mark, you're doing something. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. That's I don't want to say our state's kind of kind of similar as far as that goes, but we have like a trophy registry for Pennsylvania. Not a lot of people actually kind of really know about it as far as I'm concerned, but there are some really big deer on there. But I think our number, I don't even think it's quite Pope and Young either. I think it's um, man, I want to say it's like 115 inches or something like that to qualify. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> as far as the ages go, but it's not a it's not a huge deer to be able to get onto it. But our area, if you're killing a hundred and twenty inch deer every year, you're really doing something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah that probably is right. Yeah, like same thing down here. If you if you're killing a hundred inch deer or so every year, then uh, people are like, oh yeah, that guy's that guy's doing something oh, yeah. <laughs> different than everybody else. Yeah. Or just just has access to a, a good piece of property or or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So before I had to chase down my dogs and shut them up, uh, <laughs> I was wondering, what do you think? I mean, that's the, this is the first year that they put this into place. What do you think the percentage of air is? One being that people don't know there's a, uh, an app in place where you have to check in your deer. And two, the people that just say, screw you. I'm going to kill the deer I want. You know what I mean? What do you think the percentage of that is that add to the number that they released? Hmm. I, I'd probably say for the last year, when last year was the first year, uh, it was probably pretty high. I would say yeah. probably at least 10%, maybe more. Uh, I know when I was at the uh, processor last year, there were people bringing their deer in and the guy was like, Hey, do you have your confirmation number? And they're like, confirmation number? What's that? Like they had no clue. Uh, of the new rules that were in effect, and, and then they were almost then then they're like, well, I thought that was just for public land. It's not for private land, is it? <laughs> and it was it's for both. So, and I saw that happen multiple times. So I was like, well, I don't know. I hope it was around ten percent. I mean, it could have been higher <laughs> for sure. 
And yeah. the first year, they were going to be really lax on, uh, or the FWC was going to be really lax on the punishment for that because yeah. it was the first year it was in anyways. So there's probably people taking advantage of that. They even posted that, that they were going to, I think, be lax uh, on that. Whereas the now, I think they're like, okay, it's been in place for a year. Uh, and then we had it this past year. So I think they're, they're definitely, um, going to be a little bit harder on people for sure yeah. as time goes on. So I think it's, it'll end up being less and less. And I, I think most people want to be honest, man. And I think most people would like, you hear a lot of people complain about, oh, the deer numbers are down or I want to kill a big deer. I want to kill a big deer. Well, the only way for that's going to happen is if we start managing the amount of deer and stuff that are taken out. Sure. Yeah, I'd say most of the hunters get it. You know, most of the guys get it. Your normal guys get it. You're always going to get those guys, like you said, that just want to take it seriously to a point where they want to kill 100 deer a year, you know, right. and, and they're going to be loud and they're going to be obnoxious and they're going to kick, whine, and scream over the five deer regulation. But I think the majority of hunters get it. Like, we are the number one conservationist. Like, that's what we do as hunters. You know, we yeah. we care more about the animal than anybody else out there, 100%. And like you said, you're seeing numbers down in Florida. A lot of guys are seeing the same thing. Why not? Why not? You Why instead of complain that you're not seeing deer and you're not seeing big bucks, and then when your state tries to do something to improve it, you fight it? Yeah. Like, it just never made sense to me. Like, the antler restriction in Pennsylvania. I will tell you right now, I bet you 80% of Pennsylvania was probably against that at the time. And that same 80% today, if you ask them the same question, they'd bite their tongue and, you know, lower their head and walk away because they know what it's done to our state. Right. I mean, it's, it's unreal yeah. what they've done. No, 100%. Yeah. You got to think, too, like in our state, we do have a reporting system where you do have to go on, you have to report your harvest. But also, there's certain tags, like, for instance, our special spring turkey tag. It's the second tag. And also, DMAP tags. They will report right. no matter what, whether you kill or you don't harvest or not you you have to report yep. that's not the same for your regular tags though that's only if you harvest so there's different rules and regulations with that too but also the game commission on those special tags if you don't report they send you a little postcard in the mail a couple times reminding you and if you don't you get put on the naughty list <laughs> that's right that's right yeah yeah they do a little survey too and it's always good to take that survey i mean anybody listening to this from from Pennsylvania it's always good to take that survey let them know you know, give them your best guess. It's, I mean, some of them questions are kind of tough after hunting all year, like how many deer did you see and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's pretty hard, but I mean, heck, uh, I always fill it out. I think it does a great job. You know, I think, uh, we have a lot that we can complain about up in here in Pennsylvania. So I'm sure you have plenty down in Florida, Chase, you know, oh, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, I think we'd all agree that at least there's somebody out there that, that gives a darn. And it's trying to help. Oh, yeah. We, we definitely yeah, okay. have guys that are um, serious about conservation. And, I mean, even more so than the actual hunting aspect of it. And they, they just want it to be there for future generations. And sure. so that their their kids can go out and enjoy it. Grandkids can go out and enjoy it. And I think that's the ultimate goal is that we can we can keep this sport alive. Yeah. So uh, future generations can enjoy it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, numbers are dropping. You know, uh, not only animal numbers, but hunter numbers. And it's, it's becoming a big concern, you know, so the, the better we can do out there as sportsmen and as hunters to increase the hunting population and get 
not only just get hunters in the woods, because you can tell anybody, hey, go out and hunt, but to bring them, actually put them under your wing, teach them the right way to do things. Man, the more people you put in and you do that with, the more better hunters there are out there, right? So you want good yeah. hunters out there. People, you know, might pick on, like last year with COVID, perfect example. All these new hunters hit the woods. They just flocked the woods. They were trying to figure it out on their own. Maybe they watch the hunting public or maybe they watch Chasing Tells outdoors <laughs> on YouTube. And, uh, you know, they wanted to go try it. They wanted to do something new and they just flocked the woods. Well, what did you see? You saw a lot of people that really didn't know what they were doing. And that hurts too, because if they go out there and they're not successful and they're doing things wrong, they're not having a good time, they're probably less likely when they're busy and back at work to go out and do it again. Uh, that's a real concern. Yeah. 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 I think everybody needs a mentor <laughs> when, when yeah. they, they first start hunting. Uh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't start hunting until uh, I was an adult. Nobody in my family hunted. I got married uh, to my wife, uh, her dad is a big hunter, loves to deer hunt, loves to turkey hunt. And he, he's actually the one that got me out in the woods and uh, was probably my mentor for a couple of years on just like, hey, this is how you do it. This is like proper etiquette. Just all the things that you, you just may not think about just going out into the woods for the first time and all of these, maybe these unwritten rules that uh, <laughs> hunters have. And uh, I think that's good is to, if, if you're looking to get into hunting is there's plenty of people out there that are willing to take people anyways to, to get somebody to be able to enjoy the same experiences that, that they're enjoying. So if anybody new into hunting, I always recommend it. like try to find a mentor. There's plenty of forums online, Facebook, all of that where you can find somebody that that's willing to take you. And I think it'll just be a more, it'll make it for a more enjoyable experience and just trying to get you going out there just to figure it out all on your own. Yeah. You touched on a really interesting point that I think about quite often is that, you know, you're more or less an adult onset hunter. You you started at a much later age than, you know, Austin and I growing up in it, starting at a very young age and basically learning from whoever our mentors were at the time, you know, for me and my dad. And you often say it's probably to your benefit. And I, in a way, I would agree. Um, You know, I think doing it in the older age where you can process things a little better, you probably learn from your mistakes a little quicker. You know? <laughs> right. Where I've oh, spent yeah. a lot of years making a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, you know, also learn how to be a pretty dang good efficient killer from my dad. I mean he's he's one heck of a hunter. He yeah. he kills a lot of deer every single year up here, man. And our our family does. We were raised that way. We were raised to kill deer. You know, trying this whole new for me it's all new with Austin and stuff, trying to kill big bucks and like actually hunt mature deer. That's all new to me, you know, and it's been right. fun. But I, I guess, uh, it, it amazes me some of the people like you and, and, uh, Catman even, he taught himself. Like we just talked to him. He had nobody else that hunted. You know, it was amazing to see these people that are really, really good hunters. And I mean, Chase, I called you the Prince of the South just to play on your name earlier, just so you know. You are the King of the South. Okay? <laughs> that was just to play on your name. Uh, you kill a lot of really good deer down in Florida, man, where other people just don't. It's a, right. it's incredible. It's incredible. But I think that's pretty cool, man. And uh I don't know. It feels like when people hunt at like a, a start at a later age, too, there's more fire. Yeah. I don't know right. what it is. There's just so much more fire and drive, like, like what I had when I was a little kid, and now it's like I've kind of gone up and then peaked back down. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was always, I've always been a competitive person anyways. Uh, I played sports growing up from the time that I could throw a, a baseball or football. I played sports all the way up. And I, I think just that competitive nature in me when I, when I got into hunting, because I used to, I mean, I knew people that hunted. I, I never hunted, but I always thought in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I could, I'm pretty sure I could go do that. I'm pretty sure I could go out and kill big bucks or whatever. It, it'd be no problem. I uh, mean, when I got into hunting, I found, I was like, well, maybe it's a little bit harder uh, <laughs> than I thought it was. But I, I think that it's, and maybe it's, maybe it's the amount of time that I, I devote to it and just being out in the woods. I always tell Walter, I'm like, yeah, I was like, I have an advantage. I can just get out in the woods more than most people can. Yeah. And I, I that's just a, a serious advantage. And, and I tell people that kind of about, same thing kind of about hunt public. I mean, they're out in the woods all the time, like all day long, uh, trying to figure things out. And I think just that competitive drive in me and being able to have the time to get out there and, uh, scout and, and I, I just did, a, and also when you're older, I think you're, since we have more access to information now, YouTube or online or all of that stuff now that the, there's a lot more information now. Even when I was a, an adult onset hunter, there was probably definitely more information out there now than when you guys were probably uh, younger. And I think just gobbling up as much information as you possibly can now. I mean, we're, we're on this podcast. All, I mean, everybody seems to have a YouTube channel now and everything else. That there's, there's so much that you can learn so fast. I think it just shortens the learning curve, especially for uh, adult onset hunters. Yeah, man, totally. And I can't even imagine what my path would be right now if I had podcasts when I was a kid. Like when I first learned about them, I just like immersed myself in it, and I learned so much even just as the hunter that I was. Just, just little things. I mean, just things I would pick up on or this new tactic or something that I heard about that I wanted to try. If if I had that when I was a kid, man, I'd be, I don't know, I think I'd probably be a mountain man right now, just living, <laughs> in, a, living in a shack, no job, just hunting every day, whatever uh, I want to do. I don't, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if we had YouTube when we were kids instead of watching the Outdoor Channel and guys, yeah. you know, in the Northeast, North, oh, I'm sorry, the Midwest, just killing giants on the edge of a food plot. For the most part, that's all I watched as I was a kid. Okay, I mean that's, that <laughs> was entertainment back then, right? You know, there was there wasn't a lot of people that were really breaking down the hunt and showing you how it was done, and and there wasn't really anything to be gained but entertainment. Of course, I was watching it with my dad, and if uh, anybody knows him, you know he'd be sitting there the whole time just just breaking it down like oh come on there's no way that would ever happen in real life <laughs> my favorite part is he'll be hunting like illinois or iowa or something and he's hunted many years out there in illinois he'd just be sitting there going you're gonna shoot that in illinois what are you doing out there <laughs> <laughs> but i couldn't imagine man growing up with what we have now it's pretty amazing i'll never forget the first time listening to like the hunting beast podcast and going out and finding my first buck bed. Yeah. Dude, I knew what a buck bed was before the, the hunting beast podcast. No way in hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that I learned from uh, listening to podcasts. I think it was probably when I first started listening to podcasts, really, it was about, it was fantasy football because I was big into fantasy football okay. back then and I found fantasy football podcasts. Yeah. And I was just immersed in it because it was still that competitive edge, man. I was like, what can I do to get an edge on these guys in fantasy football? So, so I could win my league every year. And then I just happened to stump, I think I just happened to put in hunting or something one time. And then I, I found all these podcasts 
uh, for hunting. And then, I mean, I was just, that's all I listened to. Yeah. Then yep. I quit listening to fantasy football podcast. And then at, like uh, on my drive into work or wh- wherever I'm going, I'm always listening to some type of hunting podcast. And even back then, when I first found out about them, I was listening to them in the tree stand. Like, I would have some <laughs> headphones in, and I'd be listening to the hunting podcast in the tree stand, because I'm like, man, whatever I can do to get an advantage, I'm just going to listen to as much as I possibly can. And uh, I think that that actually has paid dividends for me for from where I'm at now. Dude, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Now, I'm going to ask you both this, because I'm actually curious. And you might not remember, I'm sure Chuck's, yeah, not if it hasn't been that long. So he might actually remember. But do you remember what your first hunting podcast was that you listened to? I can remember mine very clearly. Yeah, yeah. The, I remember the podcast itself. Yeah, um, it was the the Wired to Hunt podcast. I okay, think was the first one. one I ever heard. Yeah, with a Mark Kenyon, and then I just slowly found other ones. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What about you, Chuck? I remember uh, it was the Hunting Beast. It was the Hunting Beast podcast. I remember when I first started listening to podcasts, what I would do is I would go back and I would start from episode one yep. of their podcast and I would listen through the entire podcast until I got current. And then I would switch to another podcast and I would do the same thing. So I did that with the hunting beast, uh, hunting public, I think was number two on my list. And then I went to uh working class bow hunter. And then at that point, since they had so many episodes, I started mixing in chasing tails. Uh, Whitetail Legacy, Truth in the Stand. Uh, dude, I was listening That's a to list. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, there's more. There's plenty more. Um, and I just started listening to them and then, uh, I kind of lost like Southern Ground. I, I started with them too. I, I, I have listened to every single one of the Chasing Tales podcast. <laughs> that is for sure 100% true. Uh, they're ones, I think, Hunting Public and the Hunting Beast. Hunting Beast stopped producing a podcast that's why i was able to catch up on that pretty quick yeah and then you know and and same with working class i've listened to every single one of them too they're more for my entertainment <laughs> right. for sure yeah. you know what i mean uh but there was a lot to gain i'm hunting i when i first started listening that's what i told everybody i said you you want to get in the podcast the first one you need to listen to is the hunting beast go out there and man it made me a much different hunter much yeah. different the way i look at everything playing the wind betting, hunting that style, aggressive. I'm still not that aggressive, but that's a good question, Austin. Wait, what was yours? Yours was uh, Big Buck Registry? Big Buck Registry. That's funny that you remembered that. I found it on YouTube. I don't even know what I was looking for. I just found it, and I was like, oh, what is this? And it was a podcast, man. And after that, like, I listened to a couple episodes, and I was like, is this a thing? Like, podcast for hunting like i didn't even know and it was just like the floodgates open man and it was kind of similar to you chuck i started like going back to the first episode and listening through and it was a freaking list just like that man and you yeah. know i i i'm not as current as i used to be on podcasts because i don't have as much time as i as i did previously but no i still listen to them and it's still like it, as soon as i became into the podcast like realm like finding out what they were it like I don't know, it's been a big part of my life ever since. I mean, shit, we have our own, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think what's, when you're on your own, you, you don't necessarily listen to as many <laughs> yeah. as uh, you used to just because you're, you're recording one and then you're editing that, that same one. So it, it takes up a lot of time, or it can take up a lot of time. You yeah. let it just, even trying to get people on the podcast and, and just trying to figure out where you want to go. 
with each one. So uh, I think I, I probably listen to less now, uh, yeah. but there are some that I just have that uh, I try to listen to every week just because I think I get, there's always something that I seem like I can pick up. And even if I've heard it before, it's just a, a good reiteration of, of things that, that I like. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I need to go back and try that. It was something that I, I was wanting to do, but you know, I got sidetracked or whatever. And, uh, but as far as buck beds, Chuck, I mean, I, I've listened to, um, the hunting beast and all that buck beds in Florida is, is definitely something that is really difficult, uh, because yeah. they can just, they can bet any, there's, they can bet anywhere down here. Uh, but there, I think there are areas that, that they do like to, to bed, but I, I just definitely, I don't think they're using the same beds over and over again. I think there's more just, they're just huge chunks of area where it's just all bedding. I think now there are some guys that are having success down here. Uh, we've had some guys on the podcast that, but it's the same thing. They're, just, they're saying it's not the same buck. It's, it's an area where they find that a buck should be probably bedding in that area because it kind of has everything. Uh, that they mentioned, but they, they do notice that it's, it seems to be different bucks that are coming from those beds. But it's, it's definitely, uh, I would love, I wish it worked in Florida for sure. Um, but I think it would just be, like you mentioned, just trying to get as close as they get. I, I honestly don't know that I have the patience, um, <laughs> to do it. I mean, we've had Jake Bush on and he, he's like a big, uh, buck oh, yeah. hunter yep. in, in Ohio and, just him talking about it. Yeah, I left the truck at twelve, and then I finally got to the stand about two forty-five, three o'clock, and I'm just like creeping back there, and I'm just like, oh man. But I mean, if you know that there's a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy-inch giant in that buck bed, then you, maybe you Different are. Story. You're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I think I will take my time and, try yeah. to, and at least try it out once. Yeah, man. I'll give it. That, I'll give it that one shot. And I do. He's invited. I want to go up there and hunt with that guy so much, man. He he's just. He, he lives and breathes hunting and he's all about that. And I think it'd just be cool to go up there and hunt some of that public up there with him just, just to get the experience of being able to, to do something like that. Go do it, brother. Go do it. Just don't even think about it. Do it. Book it right now. It's a different world, man. <laughs> it's a different world. Like up here, we, we have such more, like so many more defined buck bedding areas, like the leeward sides of bridges. We have and- terrain. Yeah, yeah, we have actual terrain change. Yeah. You know, we have, yeah. we have all kinds of different stuff, real edges. You know, we have a lot of different things where when you listen to those, it's very relatable. Yeah. And I think some of the funniest parts was when I was listening to some of those podcasts, I, it would almost be like, I, I'm glad I found them when I did because I had X amount of years of hunting experience when I first got into podcasts. So I had all these past experiences that I could listen to and relate back to them and go, okay. That's what happened here. That's why this happened. That's why I was successful or unsuccessful. I was able to go back in my head, replay these hunts, and learn from them based off of what I was learning at the time. That I had no clue why it happened or what went wrong or what went right until I started listening to podcasts. I thought that was really cool to do that. But you mentioned Florida, and I I found the common theme listening to those guys. It's almost like you said they hunt buck bedding areas not buck beds, you know, yes. and that's kind of where I'm at now because I don't put as much time into finding specific beds as I limit myself in my scouting sometimes. So I end up hunting buck bedding areas and kind of guessing more, more than not. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you got to put a, just a ton of effort in to, to get the results. Uh, I mean, when you got in fault as, as much as he's out in the woods 
trying to find those specific buck beds. And then the Jake Bush, same thing, just putting miles and miles and miles on the ground uh, during the summer, trying to figure out where those bucks are bedding specifically. And I, I just don't know that I could, some of these areas, man, you just, you just can't walk. I mean, it's just so thick. You, you can't, you can't get in there and there's nowhere to set up to, to hunt right over where they would be bedded to begin with. Um, but I, I, I would love to find a place for it to work, but I just find that hunting those buck bed areas, I still have really good success on those areas down here. Yeah. We run into those issues too. I mean, me and Chuck, we might do some scouting in February and March and find just an absolutely killer area and it'll come, you know, April, May, June, and we're like, okay, we're going to start heading out. We're going to put some cameras out and figure out what's going on. You get out there in June, dude, everything's so grown up. I mean, it's like a freaking jungle. It's impassable. You can't get in there without doing anything. And then by the time season hits and everything's coming down, you're kind of late to the party when it, when it kind of the way everything rolls together. Yeah. 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 In Florida, it never comes down. Though. Yeah. It's, always always freaking, freaking that. it's always green down here. We got seasons. Yeah. <laughs> freaking thick, dude. It's oh, crazy. Man. If I you've never been to Florida cold. and just driven down one of your highways and looked into the woods, you can't see but 10 feet. If that, it's maybe 10. three feet. <laughs> I look, I look time, anytime I'm in Florida, I drive down and I'm always looking for wildlife. When I look into those woods, I'm like, how? anybody hunt down here like you can't even see into those woods how do you shoot how do you walk right oh yeah it's crazy you just got to find those you you really got to key in on those uh like those transition areas and certain features where uh you've got different terrain and and we don't really have a lot of terrain in florida i mean there are some areas that have a little bit of terrain yeah uh like where uh, Walter is, but maybe just different habitat types is what I was trying to say, where you may have a swamp that, that butts up to some uh, pine trees and then like maybe an oak hammock or something that kind of all come together where it opens up a little bit more. Uh, there, there's more variety in those areas. And if you can find an area like that, then, then you're going to find the, the deer. Yeah, that makes total sense now. So <clears throat> we've been talking this whole time about how you're a freaking killer, man. And, you know, we didn't even get into your last season or or anything like that, you know. We kind of thought maybe it was going to go a little bit turkey, and we ended up talking about deer, and I, and, I, and I love that. I absolutely love that. But let's get into, you know, we don't have to go, like, super in-depth into detail, but let's start with your turkey season last year, and let's work a little bit through your season. Turkey season last year? Yeah. Well, turkey season last year, man, was probably... The hardest turkey season I ever had. <laughs> um, the two years prior to that, it was, it was like, it, I was tagged out within maybe, uh, 20, whatever, 25 hours of the season or something, just going out and knocking down. Cause you get two birds in the state of Florida. It's just one of those deals where everything lines up. You've got the birds pinned down. They do what you, you think they're supposed to do. And I was able to, to tag out quick. So I was, I mean, I was done with it. it within the first couple of days uh, of the season, the last two seasons. But last season, it was a struggle. I struggled. I say it was a struggle. I got on birds. It was just, and one of the, and in Florida, hunting the public areas down in Florida, a lot of it's quota hunt only. Yeah. So if you don't draw a quota tag for the public, you can't hunt it. You got to have private. And the, the private areas that I had access to, the birds, man, I swear, they just love to flirt with the fence line last year. It was just, I had so many encounters. There There was at least six different times where I could get those birds to come up to the fence 
and just never, and, and they had hints, but I mean, you're talking, I was 20 yards away from them like five different times. <laughs> and there was just never, it was kind of like that horse fit, you know what I mean? Like they really couldn't get through it too easy. What barbed wire or anything where they could just walk right under. So they were going to have to pitch over it. And then they had some hens with them. So I'm like, well, the chances of them just pitching over here for this uh, lone hen that probably sounds like she's drunk out here <laughs> is not super high. And I just, I just have to watch them walk, man. It was just, it, it was a weird season. And I sat up was, and then I finally took a bird. I mean, it was like the last weekend of the season. And I had gotten on some birds on a different property where I'd gotten some access. And even then on that property, there was a couple of times where I should have just, I should have had the birds. Like, I'm like, okay, I know they're going to come out here. I know they're going to do this. And then I would just, I would, I would hear a noise or something and just go to take a peek and then bam, I, there's the gobbler I busted or whatever, just doing like rookie mistakes last year. I had, I had a ton of rookie mistakes last year and it was just a, a difficult season. And I was finally able to get one kind of pattern. And I hate, I mean, I, I say I hate. Field birds in Florida are just hard to hunt. They'll, they'll pitch down in the center of the field and these birds are like super weary. So if they see anything out of the normal, I mean, they're like booking up head to the next county if you're trying to sneak out there on them. And I, there was so many close calls last year where I should have got it done that I didn't. And I was just finally happy at the end of the seasons where I finally got one pattern to where uh, I was at least able to take one turkey <laughs> last year. So it was difficult because I didn't draw a quota tag. And this year I, I did. I, I, there is a public area where I found that I can actually hunt. So uh, I'm happy about that because I've, I've actually I've lost some of the um, private that I've that I've had access to, whether it was people that have uh, their nieces or their nephews uh, that are starting to hunt. So they're getting on those properties. Uh, and I'm all and that's perfectly fine. I, I love it when people are getting involved in hunting anyways. But just the, the access. Uh, that I've had in the past where it was just a turkey mecca. Uh, I don't have that anymore. So it's, it's been more of a, like a grind for me. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense, man. I, very similar to my season last year. I didn't get a dumb on any birds, so it, it happened. <laughs> 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 what about your deer season, man? How was your deer season? Did you go into that pretty strong or? <sighs> yes. I mean, I was, it was kind of almost started out the same way, man. I was like, snake bit for most of the season this past season. I had a malfunction on uh, with my bow, with my rest. I was having all kinds of bow problems this past season. And it was funny because it was the day, me and a buddy of mine decided, hey, we're going to get e-bikes. Like, we're totally going to rock the e-bikes this year. So we buy some e-bikes. Never even tried them out. Like, we, we get them, we take them out the very next morning. It's pitch black. Start. We're, tr- we're trying to figure out how to even work these uh, e-bikes. <laughs> and we're trying to go to this area where we had scouted during the summer, and we get back there, and it is just totally flooded. Like, super flooded. And we're like, okay, uh, we're going to scratch this. Uh, we get turned around. We head to a different area. And I remember, and I, and I forgot to bring something my bow sling. I forgot to bring my bow sling, so I was holding my bow in my hand and Ooh. trying to ride the bike at the same time. And I remember specifically, like, trying to get off the bike at one point. My bow, had, I felt it kind of catch for a second. I pulled on it a little bit, and there wasn't really any gift, so I just kind of, I was like, oh, I just kind of picked it up and took it over. And I get in the tree. It's probably maybe, a, I don't know, 
it was super foggy. It was super foggy that morning. It was funny because I was hunting out there. My buddy was hunting with me. I had a couple of other buddies that were hunting the same piece of public. It was so foggy, like nobody's rangefinder worked. Like it was like mm-hmm. everybody was getting at the like, worst. It was saying six, it was saying like six yards. That's what <laughs> every freaking distance was was yep. six yards. So I'm like, okay, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna have a buck come out. I'm not gonna know what distance it is, but yeah, about 20 minutes after daylight, out comes this buck from a swamp, and just a a really nice public land Florida buck. I mean, pretty chocolate horns. Uh, just every, just everything you want on public land in Florida. And here he comes, he's just slowly working this swamp. I'm like, okay, I got plenty of time. I get set. I mean, he gives me the perfect broadside shot. I shoot, hit him, and I instantly knew I hit him high. Like I instantly knew I hit him like high shoulder, but kind of forward a little bit. And I was like, oh, that, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a kill. I don't think that's going to be a kill shot and got down. Found the arrow, like he, he had taken the arrow a little bit away, but there wasn't like any blood at the impact. I finally found some blood, like maybe a hundred yards from where I, I shot him at. We blood trailed him for a while, probably followed a blood trail for about a hundred yards and until it dried up. I mean, we did our due diligence in time trying to find him, but I mean, deep down I knew that the hit wasn't good. I knew it was a non-vital hit for the most part. I was yeah. still just going to give it the time anyways and uh, didn't recover him. So I, Go home and I actually had to go to work and into work that day too, which is a different story. But I get home the next day. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go shoot my bow. Just uh, I was like, maybe I messed up. I, at this time, I still didn't know I had a bow malfunction. <laughs> so I get out of 20 yards. I've got my buck target and pull back, release, and it goes flying over the top of the back of the buck target. Hits like my fence or something back behind it. Arrow just blown into smithereens, and I'm like, what the heck? And I, it was a weird noise. And I look at like my resting was canned like 45 degrees. Oh man. And I was like, I was like, Oh man. I was like, and then like, that's when I thought I was like, well, maybe I just pulled it when I was pulling it off of that e-bike, uh, had messed it up. So I was kind of heartbroken about that because I mean, it was, it was a really nice <laughs> public land buck in Florida. Mm-hmm. Muzzle loader season comes around because I'm like an equal opportunity hunter. I'm going to hunt whatever's in season. I'm pretty much going to rock it. So. Oh, yeah. Our muzzle loader season comes along. I get set up that morning. There was a buck that I actually had within 10 yards during bow season and just couldn't get a shot. It was just one of those ones where there, and for 15 minutes, like he was 10 yards from me for 15 minutes and there's just no shot. And I, and the way I was kind of set up, I couldn't move very much because there was a little bit of creep in my uh, platform and I knew I couldn't put a lot of weight on it. I was going to have to wait for him to get way over. So. Uh, I watched him for those 15 minutes, and then it ended up getting to where it was dark, where I couldn't see the shoot anyways. Well, during muscle loader season, I set up kind of in that area, and probably, twenty same thing, 20 minutes after daylight, here he comes, just out walking in these open pines, and I'm like, okay, I've got, and then I was actually, I actually had my camera and everything set up. I'd actually brought it with me, because Walt's really big on wanting me to, to film, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start filming this year. Got the camera set up, got everything going. I'm on him perfectly, grunt at him just to get him to stop. He stops. I get set up, pull the trigger, it's just pat. Like, gun doesn't go off. Like, I can see where the primer is smoking, and I'm like, what's going on? Because I knew the primer had went off, and but with a muzzle, you're still, like, freaking out. Because oh, you're like, yeah. is this thing going to go off any second now? And the buck kind of, like, looks. and Because I grunted at him. He was already on a little bit alert. And then he heard that noise, and he kind of, like, looks at me. And, uh, like this really nice wide angle, another just really nice spot for Florida. And 
he he just turns around and walks out of my life. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to get down because this gun, it, I don't want to it happen again. Put another primer in here and the same effect on another deer. So get down, go home, shoot it, tap, tap, primers are going off, and the, the gun's not going off. And I just switched to uh, loose powder, like the, the Blackhorn 209. I, I got all that set up this year, and I just I don't know if there was like some static electricity that got in there or what, because I took took my breech plug off, like. And there was no powder on the breech plug whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, where, where's the powder? I was like, did I not put powder in this thing or something? And then I turned the gun over and out falls all of this powder. Um, <laughs> oh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm over two. <laughs> I'm over two at this point during the season on two really nice bucks. I go out to Iowa. So at this point, oh, it's time to go out to Iowa. Draw the coveted uh, Iowa tag. That if you, if you haven't broke enough parts yet, here we go. Yeah, I had spent. <laughs> Five years freaking getting this tag for Iowa. Get out there, and the weather's just horrible. I'm talking about Florida weather in Iowa in the first week of November. It's It was getting up to like 75 to 77 degrees every afternoon. Um, I did ha- I had I had some encounters. I mean, I saw big bucks while I was there, but they, they still were just not moving very good. I mean, there was a group of us hunting. Anything past like 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning, they just were not moving at all like midday, just like no midday movement. They may get up in the evening time, uh, move around a little bit. I got super close to one on the ground. I was pulling the hunt public ground game. I had like glassed this buck the night before, got all set up the next morning. And uh, he was with some does and he got within about 60 yards, but the does and everything were all looking at me. And they, they were looking my direction. They weren't necessarily looking at me. I was kind of behind the sperm. And I was like, okay, is if he keeps on this track, man, because the does were only about 30, 35 yards from us. If he keeps on this track, I've got him. And it was just the stud of a 10-point. Of course, the does were getting antsy, and they all of a sudden just beeline it is another 100 yards away from me. And, of course, he follows them, go, chases them off. And I, I really didn't have another opportunity until, like, last day. I was just doing this ground game. And it, it cooled off a little bit. It was gotten super windy, but, of course, it was going to get super cold, like, the day after uh, we left and I had got down into this creek bed. The last day I'd gotten out of this creek bed. I was walking, I was walking this creek bed and I just seen a buck, a small buck chasing doe kind of down this creek bed, back up the bay. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get down there. I'm just going to walk this creek bed all the way out. And I, I had had a net, an arrow knock like the entire time I was walking around. Like I was ready the whole time I was walking around. Well, when I had to go down that steep bank, I was like, well, I'm not going to keep an arrow on here. I'll probably end up stabbing myself. Um, and be like, Florida boy stabbed in, <laughs> in Iowa. Florida man. Florida man stabbed by his own arrow in Iowa. <laughs> what a dummy. So I put all that up and I was like, well, I had just seen this buck chase this doe right around this, this little bend. I was like, well, there's probably, there's nothing around this bend. So I, I take like literally probably 10 steps and I hear, I hear movement. And I look up, and it's the biggest buck I saw in Iowa the entire time, standing there 20 yards from me. And we're looking at each other eye to eye. Like, he had went up part of the uh, bank, and he's like, turns around, and he's looking at me. And he's he's just kind of still. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I was kind of, I had crouched down anyways. And I'm like, so I'm getting an arrow out, knocking the arrow. I have a thumb button release, so I had it on my hand. And get it around the D-loop, and about the time I'm ready to draw back on the stroke runs out of my life and and he was a giant i'm talking about this buck was a legit six by six 12 point it just is one of those ones where 
just the huge body with it, just like the bodies yeah. on a different level. Like I had seen a body like that. Like I had seen some probably 225 pounds, but this Joker was just absolutely huge body wise. So uh, I was, I was heartbroken in, in Iowa, wasn't able to get it done there. And I hunted a combination of some private and, and public while I was there. And so I, I come back home. I'm like, man, this season has, I was like, can, can the season get any worse for me this year? Well, so I get back and then it was, our, it was our gun season at this point. And my buddy had been hunting this piece of public where it's normally really good, like during muzzleloader season, where this year it was really good during like late, late archery season for some reason. Like it was just gangbusters. And that's when I actually hit that buck was like late archery season. Like they were chasing does. They were just going nuts in there. And I decide, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hunt it one day with my buddy. My buddy was in there. He hadn't been seeing a whole lot. And some of the other guys that know the hunt here, they hadn't been seeing much. So I go to this one area, which the area that I was talking about earlier that had been flooded on. I'm going to go try that area again, see if it dried up. I got in there. It was still like super flooded. So I was like, all right, plan B. I'm just going to go to this other area. I know I can see a long ways. And just hopefully I'll catch something either cruising, maybe chasing the doe. Maybe it's, it should have been about the secondary rut at that point for that area. <laughs> Get set up in my saddle. I'm not in the tree 10 seconds and I hear, er, er, and I look up and there's this buck chasing this doe right along the swamp edge and they're running. I get my gun and I kind of get turned around. Well, I wasn't set up to shoot that direction anyways. So I kind of stop the buck and I'm trying to shoot freehand, which I suck freehand. So I shouldn't even try to take a <laughs> shot because I can't shoot worth a darn freehand. Man. <laughs> anyways, but I felt like I was good on him. Shoot. He kind of runs. He runs off about 10 yards and he's kind of looking around and he finds the doe and hauls after her. And I was like, yep, I've definitely missed that joker. <laughs> and I'm looking. So I'm sitting there for a little while. I'm looking at the tree and I can see a bullet hole in this pine tree. Like I must have just <laughs> missed underneath them. Like there's this big bullet hole underneath. So I went over there and looked. I never found any blood. And I was like, okay, uh, I had to miss him one. So at this point, I've had chances on three bucks in Florida and have not been able to get it done. At all. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, it's like the year before is just like everything worked out perfectly for me. Every buck that came in, I was able to shoot gangbusters uh, the year before. I killed my, my, my biggest, uh, public land buck in Florida. This, uh, really nice 11 point. I mean, that a lot of people dream of on public land. Die. And, uh, it was, I mean, it was just like a, a totally different. So at this point, I'm just like, okay, well, I had this buck that. I had been watching on game camera since the summer, just this stud of a nine pointer on one of my pieces of private. And I knew he was still alive. He just was not consistent at all. Like no consistency. Like he might show up and then you'd go 10, 12 days before you might catch him on camera again. But in late November, early December, he started being like more regular in this area, uh, according to my camera. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait this area out. Like eventually I don't think he's staying here all the time, but uh, I don't think I'm going to bump him by coming in here a bunch. So I finally get this set up where it was just one of those transition areas I was talking about where it was like this nice opening where uh, a bunch of different habitat features come together. And he, and that's where I'd been catching him on camera, just, just coming through every now and then it, it might be in the daylight. Uh, and there was this one evening that I wanted to go hunting, but I wasn't able to because my wife was at work. She wasn't going to get back home in time. And I was like, ah, okay, whatever. I'll just, I'll just go another day. And that sucker was on camera like at 4.30 in the afternoon, like <laughs> posing for the camera. And I was like, all right. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I, get, I finally, we finally get our coldest day of the year, 
which was actually, it was actually 27 degrees that morning, which for Florida is, that's funny. That's probably, that's probably negative degrees up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> but for me, I, I mean, it was, it was freezing, but luckily I had a bunch of, uh, I just got a bunch of, uh, which you guys rock some is the screen gear. Like I'd gotten a bunch, I had a bunch of their layers and everything. And I was like, I was like, man, I'm actually warm. Uh, all of a sudden now that I have all these layers, I had their puffy jacket and everything. So I got set up and I've been seeing a bunch of deer in this area. For some reason, I think that, uh, there was water oaks that had dropped, but they just weren't hitting them when they initially dropped. And then all of a sudden it was just like the dinner bell went off for them over there and they were tearing up these water oaks in this area. I got set up that morning and I had this, a uh, nice little seven point that it came in. He was speeding around me, so I'm watching the seven point, and I hear something behind me, and I just kind of slowly turn my head behind me, and at 20 yards, there he stands, like Ooh. this giant nine point. He's at 20 yards, and I'm like, oh, and and it was like one of those crisp, calm mornings where I was like, I'm not going to be able to get away with a lot of, as like any, like any bit of noise, he's going to be alerted to. I know I'm going to make some noise, and he's looking dead at that buck that's speeding over by me. So I'm like, okay, well, let, let's see what he does. I'm like, and so he starts walking towards me and I'm like, I was like, he's going to walk right underneath me over here. And for some reason, he decides to stop and kind of, he like puts his head down, kind of rubs his antlers and what I call is like, is like dog fennel type grass uh, down here. And he puts his antlers in it. He's kind of rubbing his antlers in it. He, he does he doesn't seem to be on alert at all. So like, and I knew I had the wind in my favor. And all of a sudden, he decides where he's going to turn, and he's probably four or five yards from going back into the thickest woods you can possibly imagine. So at that point, I'm like, okay, it's now or never. <laughs> I get spun around, take the shot, uh, hit him. He probably ran 30 or 35 yards, and uh, I heard him crash. And at that point, I was like, oh, my God, like, finally. <laughs> I was like, the season has tested me. And he was actually the biggest buck I'd ever taken in Florida. This year, so uh, I, even through all those trials and tribulations, I was actually able to take my uh, biggest buck. Finally, in, it was December second. I was finally able to uh, to get on one. So it was one of those crazy seasons where everything goes wrong, but finally something went right, and uh, man, did it pay off! I'm proud of you, buddy. I was I was really really sad that I asked there for a while. <laughs> it, it turned out great. I'm I'm really happy. I was really good at asking about people's worst seasons, as am I. We're really good at that. It's like, been impeccable lately. We could have said, "Hey Chase, talk about the four deer that went over combined 500 inches." Yeah, yeah. 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 To go. yeah well, that's, that's old news, man. Uh, I mean, people want. To, I mean. I've had some great years. I'm gonna be honest with you. And uh and this year, like I said, it was just a it was just a ten. It was just one of those grind years, man. It, I think it, to be able to appreciate it sometimes, you just got to grind. And I'm yeah. not somebody that's gonna give up. Like I'm gonna keep after it. Uh, there, there's there's there was there was only one buck at one point in my whole hunting time that I thought I was like I'm just gonna give up hunting. And this buck was I'm talking about an absolute giant for the state of Florida. If I had to guess him, he was over 150 inches. Nice. And, uh, I missed, I had, and this, I had already shot a buck. Like, I had, I had had like, uh, my appendix taken out, um, like a couple of weeks before, but I was able, I was, uh, I was where to where I could get out and hunt and hadn't sighted my gun in or anything. I go out this 
one buck comes out, you know, you just got, I, I say it was a management buck. Back then, I didn't know much about what management was. If they had messed up antlers back then, we were shooting. I was just like, all right, <laughs> you got messed up antlers, we're shooting. And now there's so much science and everything else that about there, there really isn't a cold buck out there. You're just taking another mouth uh, out of the woods. But Absolutely. he steps out. I shoot him, like, I don't know, about 180 yards. He drops, like, just straight drops. I'm like, okay, gun's on, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And is it like, a, but and back then he shoot two bucks a day. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. It was great. I mean, it was a nice, cool morning. I'd already seen uh, a couple of other deer chasing does that morning. And I, I, there was these, um, like these kind of these wide open pine trees and I could hear something running in these pines, probably about 150 yards from me. And all of a sudden out steps these two does that are running. These two does are running and they can't, there was this opening where they, where they normally just run across to get to the, the woods that are on the other side and I get ready and out steps this buck. Well, all of the, I say all of the big mature bucks, they never just run across that wide open area. They always stop, basically do a, like a left and right look to see if there's anything out there before they even like will step out into the wide open. And this deer steps out. And I remember specifically saying, Oh my God, it's a monster. Just, just one of those one where it's just, you don't believe it's Florida at that point. Yeah. You're just like, am I hunting in the state of Florida? Just, I mean, just huge main beams, mass, time, every, every, everything that you can imagine. And, and on a buck that probably weighs whatever, 180 pounds or whatever. I mean, 150 inches, 100, uh, 150 plus inch. It, it even looks way bigger uh, on, on a frame that big. And uh, he steps out just enough for me to get a shot. For some reason, I aimed high shoulder on the other buck. This one, I'm in a rush. I'm thinking he's fixing the bolt. Aim low shoulder on him, and kind of, uh, and he was kind of at an angle, so I was trying to angle it. And I shoot. He runs across, acts like he wasn't hit. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's acting. He, I, I was like, I don't, I don't think I hit that deer. He's just he, with the way he ran off and everything. So I get down there. I'm checking for blood. No blood. No hair. No nothing. I get all my buddies out there. I'm like, hey, we, we have got to at least try to look at this deer. This is the biggest deer I've ever freaking seen in the state of Florida and, uh, never found anything. So I'm like, all right. So, well, let me go. Let me go. So then I go actually before that, I went to the buck that I shot prior and I was like, oh, and I had noticed that I had hit him in the neck. Like it was like way, it was, it was way to the right and high in the neck. And I'm like, huh. I was like, maybe I just pulled the shot or something. So I was like, well, let me go shoot my gun. And I shot my gun and I think it was, it was like high six inches and to the right about eight or nine inches at a hundred yards or something. Well, and <laughs> I was just like, well, that's what I get for being in a rush and not being able to go out and shoot my gun. And I was just lucky when I hit the other one. It just happened to work out where I hit him in the neck and missed him. But that, but after I missed him, I was like sick. I didn't even want to hunt for like. Two weeks, but then I got over it real fast. <laughs> I got, I got it. That's the only time I've ever considered just giving up on that one, that one giant that I, I'll never get back. <laughs> oh, I've, I've been there, buddy. I have been there. I shot underneath at least. Uh, I agree, probably one fifty, if not bigger. Just beautiful, big, tall, typical ten point on a two hundred plus pound frame. I mean, the biggest body deer I've ever seen in my life come right underneath me at like five yards. I was in this big group of pine trees and he come out behind me and fed for over a half an hour. And the same thing, cold, 
crisp morning. You could hear every single step he made. You could see the breath coming out of his mouth. I'm sitting there shaking probably the whole tree. I was <laughs> this ladder stand tucked up in this pine tree, probably shaking the whole tree. I just remember like uncontrollably shaking down my body. And he comes out underneath me at five yards and he's about to turn. He's coming 15 yards. He's got two more steps. And don't you know, he turns and walks dead away from me. And when he does, I draw back because he's all looking at me. And I'm like, turn, turn, turn. And he finally does. He turns, starts working across this, this open field. And I just remember I meet him, put pin, a single pin back then, right on his, the middle of his chest. Perfect. Let it go. And I watched that arrow, that Luminocter Nocturnal we used, just go right underneath. I'm like dead left and right, perfect where I had it, just behind the shoulder. And it just like right under his giant chest. I'm like heartbroken. I wanted to throw up. Like that's the feeling you get, that deep gut wrenching. Oh man. And then he, don't you know, he bounds off like 40 yards and just turns back and looks at me. Like, just does that cocky move where, you know, you just that typical over-the-shoulder. I didn't know any better. I was like, burp, and he just (laughs) took off. He took off out of there, man. He's gone. It sounded like a horse galloping off. Giant. I just remember that big, wide face when he went underneath me through those pines. I couldn't believe it. Still get nightmares, man. Oh, yeah. I still think about that buck almost every day of my life. <laughs> It'll eat you up. That's the thing. We talked about it. I can't remember if we recorded or not between deer and, and turkey, but, man, those, those deer opportunities eat you up. You, you do that with a turkey, you might get upset for a little bit. I, I still have a couple of turkey incidents that heat me a little bit, but those deer incidents, man, when you screw up on them, you remember you for a while. You know? Oh yeah, you you almost remember those more than you remember the actual <laughs> kills. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why we do it. That's why we keep coming back. It's fun, man. And by the way, if you're listening to this right now, go check out the Chase and Tells uh, podcast, and you will have successfully heard more words come out of Chase tonight than you have in the entire existing of Chase and Tells. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Wal- Walter. Walter lets me speak every now and then. <laughs> I think sometimes he just gets in the zone. You know, every, you just get in the zone and then he, he gets in his zone or whatever. And he's just, and I'm like, well, hey man, shoot it. And then every now and then I'll kind of go, all right, maybe I should say something this time. <laughs> you, you wouldn't and, uh, know listening to this episode, man. I feel like, I feel like you talk more and Walt just edits you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, some of the times I get that. I mean, I, I talk on the ones where it's him and I. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit but it, it all kind of depends on the guest uh yeah. and, and what it maybe what it's about uh i mean we have we all we have similar interests but in, in some aspects where you may he may have a podcast where he wants to do where it, just, it might not be my cup of tea but i'm still going to get on and yeah um listen and, and try to help out so sure. uh, I, I think we i think we make a good team uh oh, for yeah. the most part and, uh i mean i enjoy doing it i, I mean it, it's it's great to be able to get on and you get, you kind of get that live podcast action, uh, anyways. Mm-hmm. And you get the, yeah, I think it's more of just the interactions and uh, the, the amount of connections that you make while, while you're doing the podcast and just, just people that are uh, willing to help you, willing to do whatever, willing to, that they want to get up and hunt with you. And, uh, I, I enjoy that just as much as I do the actual podcast. It's getting to meet new people and talk to people like you guys or, 
uh, anybody else that we have on the podcast. Heck I'm, yeah. I'm right there hey, with you, man. Ever, you ever get to a point since you're a podcast listener like us and we, we did this a lot when we first started. You get to a point where you're sitting back and you're, you know, interviewing somebody or you have them on the podcast and you've listened to them on podcast before and you just sit back and it's almost like you fall into that, that wall. Like you're, you're listening to another one of their podcasts because oh, we yeah. got that. We get that all the time. Uh, all yeah, the yeah, time. yeah. I've, I've done that. And, and there's some, some people just are, are just great at talking and they get on yeah. there and they basically the podcast runs itself by, by them alone. And then, uh, then you have some that are, you're, it's almost like we kind of got a problem. Like you're answering, you're asking them a ton of questions just to kind of make the podcast, uh, uh go along. <laughs> but some of these guys, man, they're, they're just naturals. They love to talk about, uh, hunting and, and those are the best kinds to edit because when they do most of the talking, it's a whole lot easier to, uh, to edit those podcasts, it seems. So, and that's why we have them on. We, we want them to talk and whatever their, whatever their interests are or whatever they they came on to talk about, you want them to be able to, to get that information out to everybody. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. Totally. Well, we are getting closer on time. Now, one thing, I, ha- I have to do it at the end of this one. I mean, Chase has already told stories, but, you know, I got to hear your favorite hunting story, man. Whether it be your first deer, your first turkey, your biggest buck, whatever. We throw it on you. You know, we're not letting you be prepared for it, but, you know, give me your best shot, man. How about I give you one of my blooper stories? Like, uh, I'll give you a... Even I'll better. I'll give you one of my blooper stories. It was early. It was the first season that I, I ever hunted and I was bow hunting. I, I didn't know, uh, I knew nothing about nothing other than I had a bow that I bought from like eBay, bought some arrows from like Cabela's. I mean, I literally, I knew nothing about it. There was a lot of stuff. It's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, how was I even successful back then knowing so much about arrows, fine and everything else that there's broadheads, all that, all that I know now. I'm just like, I don't even know how I was successful back then, but somehow. Somehow I was, but yeah, I was in a climber and I had scurried up this pine tree. And back then I was like, I, I don't know how high to get up in this thing. I think I was, I might've been like, I don't know, 12, 13 feet off the ground. I was like, Oh, and it was, it was wide open too. I mean, I had, I had nothing, no backdrop, no nothing. And I was just out in the, <laughs> the wide open back then. I knew nothing about like, I didn't know about the wind, none of that stuff. I mean, I was wondering, I was like, man, all these deer keep blowing at me and stuff. I was like, what the heck is up with this? I can't get even close to a deer <laughs> back then. I mean, I was just a total noob that first year. Uh, cause my father went, he helped me out so much more. I think he, since he, he's like, well, he's an adult. I mean, he, he can, he can handle this. It was just like, Hey, yeah, here's some stuff, man. Here you go. Here's an area. Go, go set up. So it wasn't like I ever had anybody in a tree with me or had ever watched anybody do anything other than. Hey, yeah, this is a good area to set up here. Here, use this, use this climber. I mean, I didn't, I didn't safety hard. None of that stuff. It was just not even <laughs> on the radar that first year. And I had hunted a few times and I finally get this opportunity of the, this doe comes into the area. It's the small, it's a, it was, and it was the small little doe, but I'm like, I hadn't shot, I hadn't ever killed anything at that point. I'm like, I'm going to take this doe. So I get stood up in this climber because it, it, it was basically like a gun hunting climber, anyways. You had to stand up in it to get a shot with your bow out of it. There was no, there was no way to sit down and get a shot out of it. So I get stood up. I'm, this doe's kind of around me. She was, she was kind of, she was dead underneath me. I really didn't want to take a shot at her, like where she was dead underneath me. I was like, well, if she, if she kind of moves out a little bit, I'll get a good broadside shot on her. I did kind of know that uh, <laughs> a little bit back then, and I, I'm watching her. And finally she gets to where I can, I can get a shot on her. 
and I draw back the bow, and then all of us and I, I had been so locked onto her. This buck comes out of nowhere, like the, this buck comes out of nowhere, and he runs like pretty much to right on top of where she's at. And I'm like, oh shoot! Uh, and I've been holding the bow for not not very long, but I'm like, I'm gonna have to let the bow down. So I go to let the bow down, and as I'm doing that. The strip where the string and the, um, where, where the cables are and the can is, my thigh gets stuck in between the string and the cable. Oh no. As I'm letting it down, it's stuck in her thigh and I'm sitting there like trying not to scream like a little girl at this point as I'm letting it down. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm trying to, at this point, I'm trying to pull it back at the same time to get it and I can't do that to even get it off my thigh because I'm like stuck in that weird zone where you have like there's no energy whatsoever yeah. <laughs> I'm watching this buck kind of so I finally I'm like trying to turn a little bit and then accidentally hit my release <laughs> at the same time as I'm turning this arrow I have no clue where it went I mean it <laughs> shot up into the atmosphere like it was not aimed anywhere near anything I just remember it shooting up into the atmosphere. I think it hit, hit like a limb or something. And the, both of the deer heard it and like started looking around. And then of course they hauled butt. And then of course I had this bruise on my inner thigh from where <laughs> the bow had went off basically <laughs> on my inner thigh. <laughs> oh, so man. that was, that was the, that was the first time I ever considered or had a shot at a deer. And then that's what happened on my very first. Uh, chance at a deer, man. Oh, man. That, that's beautiful. And that might be my new favorite story on the podcast. Well, it was a blooper, dude. I, I was like, I, I, I don't even think I could replicate how my thigh got caught in between, um, the cams and the string. And, and it, I'm, I'm talking about, I wanted to scream. I a girl when my, like that inner thigh area, I thought I was going to scream. Somehow I didn't scream, but, um, I, I thought for sure that I was like, I was like, well, this hunt's blown. I'm fixing to start screaming like a little girl. We're going to have to do something to get this, get this taken care of. And then of course, when that arrow went into flight, I was like, well, it's over now. <laughs> oh man. Unreal, <laughs> dude. I love that. How That's... bad did it hurt when the bow went off? Like, did it not pinch it worse? Uh, no, not really because I, I think I was so shocked when the bow went off. Like, cause I wasn't, I mean, it was just one of those shock deals and I was looking down and what till later I was just like, Oh, I thought, and I was just like, I'm just glad it was my thought. <laughs> so whatever damage you did there, I was just glad it was my thought. <laughs> That is absolutely hilarious, man. I'm going to leave this one at that. <laughs> oh, man. Chase, before we let you go, brother, shout out and tell everybody where they can find you, where the podcast is, where your social media is, all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you can find us uh, on all the podcast platforms, Chasing Tales Outdoors. And then you can find us on YouTube. Same thing, Chasing Tales Outdoors. We're on Instagram, but it's if you just search Chasing Tales Outdoors, you're probably going to come up with it. It's one of those underscore, like Chasing underscore Tales underscore Outdoors underscore podcast, one of those weird ones. And then on Facebook, uh, it's just Chasing Tales uh, Outdoors. So those are our platforms. And uh, hey, it was just great being on. I appreciate you guys letting me come on the podcast. Uh, let, let me share some uh, hunt stories. Uh, let me kind of spread the word uh, about Florida up there to uh, you northerners. Uh, it was a fun time. Perfect. 
Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. And for people that don't know, they do have a Patreon account. And if you do sign up for it, word around the uh, the campfire is Chase will help you roost birds. So you sign <laughs> up and automatically he just schedules a day with you. So get out there and sign up and get a Patreon account with them. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love meeting on Patreon members. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I got to meet Chase down in Florida. and uh, Yeah, that's right. Pretty cool. And then uh, anything. Also, if you do sign up on a Patreon, you have to make sure that you mention you came from the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. That way, your funds go directly into a separate account that is only allowed to be used for Chase and Walt to come up to PA <laughs> and hunt with us. Okay, so if you if you do that, that's a little deal that we have on the side. They just don't know it yet. And uh, <laughs> that that Patreon group is pretty cool, man. I I know I'm in it. I jump in there from time to time, and uh, we have that Marco Pulo going. It's it's really fun. The guys are super active, and like Chase, you know it, man. You stay off that for a night or two, you come back to like sixty to a hundred polos. It takes you forty minutes just to catch up. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's dangerous when you're not around your phone uh, for that Marco Pulo group. Yeah, you know, there have been so I have seen a hundred before yeah. on there, and I was just like. I'm just going to have to let these run. And then if they're talking about something completely off the wall, I just like skip. Because <laughs> yeah, there's just no way, man. I mean, you probably spend longer than 40 minutes listening to some probably. of the 100 polos. Yeah. <laughs> so I wish yeah, guys. I, I need to, I need to buy the um, app for it because th- that two times the speed definitely comes in handy whenever you're trying to listen to a hundred polos. I agree. A hundred percent. I use that thing to the fullest when I could. <laughs> yep. But it is a good time, guys. Head over there, sign up for the Patreon. I mean, there's there's guys like Parker McDonald's group, Greg Godfrey, Chase, Walter, a bunch of Florida guys, Oklahoma guys from Kansas. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, all over the U.S. Really, and uh, you guys yeah. have a great podcast. I I truly listen to every episode, and I can say that I greatly enjoy it. So and thanks, we appreciate that. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I'm I'm glad that you became a part of Chasing Tales because now we get to enjoy the friendship with you and Walt, and it's a, it's a good it's a good fun time, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and I look forward to uh, competing against you guys in our uh, Yakking for Best Challenge that's coming up this year. Oh, so right. if anybody's right. interested in kayak fishing, uh, we're going to be holding. I think it's our third the third annual Yakking for Best Challenge. So. Uh, we always have a great time with that challenge, uh, especially us creators <laughs> going back and <laughs> <Yeah>. forth. <laughs> and uh, I mean, usually the creators don't have a chance of winning, but we still like to compete against each other. So. Oh yeah, yeah, man, I can't wait. We're in our own competition. I don't know if you noticed, but Austin went straight from turkey to deer season. He he just happened to pass over bass fishing because we got our butts kicked by you. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> yeah, well, we have an advantage. I-, I will say we have an advantage down in Florida. There's no doubt about our uh, advantage. So maybe we should maybe we should give y'all whatever a couple of inches nah. or something like that. Oh no! Uh, oh no! We'll do it oh, on no. our own. <laughs> oh, we are on our own. We are on our own. <laughs> okay, well, last year last year was great because when you came on that last night and started fishing, Chuck and we're I mean, Walt. I'm telling you, Walt was freaking out, man. He was texting me <laughs> yeah. when you were starting to move up that leaderboard. And you caught that with like 22 inch fish or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just hysterical because he waited till like the very last second. He's like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And then he put, po- and then he posted and you still had time to go out and fish, man. Oh, that like last couple of hours of him texting me freaking out was worth every penny <laughs> of that, dude. It was great. <laughs> Oh man! Listen, you 
You said it, man. I'm competitive as all hell. I play sports. I still coach sports. I still play sports. And when he sent that out, I got so damn mad. I jumped in my truck immediately. Everything was already in it because I was going to go out that night. I'm like, wow, I got Walt. I'm good. And I jumped in that truck so fast and headed out that night. It was like 10 o'clock. And the first cast, I land a 21 and a quarter inch, 21 and a half inch freaking slammer. First cast of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I lost the next five fish, six fish. I probably would have had them. Oh, I yeah. Probably I, would have them. I believe you would have. But, yeah, you definitely had him nervous for sure. He, yeah. kept text, he stayed up the whole time. He's like texting to Dude, can you believe this? Can you believe this? Catch me? I was like, I told you not to post it till like 11 o'clock. I was like, you gave the man a window and he yeah, seized man. it. Yeah, man. I ended up losing by a quarter inch, I think, too. I yeah, was it, was, like, it was crazy. Uh, so much fun, man. But definitely, yeah. guys, sign up for that. That is the, the most fun I've ever had fishing and yes. fishing from a kayak ever, ever. Yeah. Is that what I mean? It's a month long. There's a ton of fishing that's involved in it. You can do it from anywhere. It's not like it's it's regulated to where you can fish. You can fish from anywhere in the United States. That's why I don't say you guys have an advantage because if we wanted to, we could buy plane tickets or drive down, I guess, because we need kayaks. But we'd have to go down <laughs> and we could fish with you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can literally fish anywhere. So, And, and the great thing is the 30 days. I mean, the whole month. Uh, so if you get bad weather or anything like that, you've always got... Uh, other opportunities uh, to get out and fish. Yeah, so man. I and I just enjoy that whole month of being able to interact with everybody <laughs> and just going back and forth, and especially the kind of that those last couple of days when it's winded down. Everybody and we're we're generally we're always kind of pretty close anyway, so it's like mm-hmm. ah, this could be anybody's <laughs> this could be anybody's match. But fortunately for me, the last couple of years I was able to take <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Although we do, we are going to have a new creator this year, and he actually won the challenge last year as a non-creator, so he's he's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. So I might lose my crown this year, boys, but we'll um, see. We'll see. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, cancel the tournament. Cancel it. Call it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going out of champion, baby. I'm retired. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chase, can't thank you enough, man. Really appreciate you coming on and BSing with us tonight, buddy. Yep, appreciate it, guys. Thanks, brother.